Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. Each and every week, we bring you through what is happening around the world, trying to narrate it for you. So it kind of makes sense of what's going on. Of course, I talk about the decentralized revolution, the way the world has been centralizing, and now it's about to be decentralized. Now, we can see it happening all over the world. And of course, um, it's being led by new technology like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. You know, in the in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space over the last couple of months, it's been uh, been pretty bad for a lot of people. We've seen um, a blow up similar to the great financial crash, which I've covered um, at length. I know for a lot of people, they got caught up in this crash. And I, and I and I I don't hope for anyone to lose money. It makes me sad to think of anybody that's being uh, being hurt by this. And I've heard, unfortunately, I've heard countless stories of people that have lost everything. Um, I believe I've even heard of people taking their own lives over how much money they've lost. It's that bad. So I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, but I also hope that people learn their lessons from it. But uh, for those people that might be caught up in the, in the mix, there might be some good news, hopefully. So um, I've kind of been keeping you up to date on what's going on. And we saw, um, you know, when this domino started dropping down, um, bigger companies started getting getting caught up in this and Celsius is one of those companies that really got up got caught got caught in this mess you know they had just way too much exposure to these risky uh, protocols and they stopped uh, letting withdrawals happen about a month ago and um, I've been trying to keep you up to date on this in case you have money that's locked up on there and um, while I don't want to falsely encourage you and tell you to hold your breath I do you know there is maybe a little bit of hope um, in the beginning, when it first started happening with Celsius, 
they were in danger of getting their positions liquidated because Bitcoin was falling so fast and they had wrapped up a bunch of Bitcoin and locked it up on some of these DeFi protocols. And because it's in this DeFi, decentralized finance protocols, um, there's transparency. So most of the people could see where that was at. And uh, you could see where their liquidation price, I think at the beginning when they first locked up withdrawals, it was about 18,000. So if Bitcoin had hit about 18,000, Celsius would be liquidated. Uh, but then Celsius has been putting back more collateral, more collateral, more collateral onto the system to lower that liquidation level. Then they got it down to like 15 and then to 13 and then to like eight and then to five. And that's potentially good news if you have money locked on Celsius because they have, uh, well, it's good for everybody. Uh, it's good for, well, if you're in, in crypto at all. Uh, but if you have money locked up in there, it's, it's potentially good because maybe if they don't get completely liquidated, maybe there's a chance you get some money back. Again, don't hold your breath, um, but maybe there's a little bit of hope there for you. It's also good for the Bitcoin space uh, even bigger, crypto space even bigger, because if they got liquidated, it could instantly put a lot of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies onto the market and dump it at a time when there's very thin liquidity, and it could push the price down even lower. So we saw this week, it says Celsius pays off their last DeFi loan and reclaims nearly 200 million of Bitcoin from um, Compound, which is a decentralized finance protocol. It says the troubled crypto lender previously paid off loans from Aave and Maker. And so basically what happens is in order to get these loans, they had to put up, they had to over collateralize them. So they had to put up, you know, about 150% of the amount they wanted to borrow back. And these were on these like protocols. So there's nobody to call up and say like, hey, buddy, uh, you know, we've done business for a long time. Can you uh, hold off for a second? Um, there's no, uh, that's different. So Celsius is CFI, centralized finance. These are DeFi, decentralized finance. So there's nobody to call and, and ask if they could give you a favor. Um, and so they paid them off from Ave, they paid them off from Maker, and now they paid them off from Compound. Now we can see that, um, like I said, they've been facing these liquidity problems, facing getting liquidated, uh, but now they've been able to pay off this 200 million. They had paid down 50 million to Compound um, on Wednesday, and that, that got them back 10,000 Bitcoin, which was pretty pretty big number. Like I said, even if you don't have any mo money on these, still nice to not have to see 10,000 Bitcoin get dumped into the um, into the market at one time. That'd be pretty bad. That was uh, worth about 195 million at current prices. So they with with 50 million paid down, they got access to about 200 million back, um, which, like I said, maybe is pretty good. Um, it said the maneuver followed a similar treasury management tactic that Celsius used recently to pay out to fully pay off and close his loans uh, from Ave and Maker. The loans on these protocols are over collateralized, meaning the borrowers to lock up. So we've already covered that. Now, um, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, there could be potential legal problems from this. And the reason why is that sell, how are they able to pay these down? Where are they getting the money to do this? And if they have money to pay these down, why are they not giving money back to people who had money on the exchange? Why are they not paying back depositors? What happens is whenever you run into legal problems and you have to go into some sort of a restructuring or some sort of a, a reorganization, there's typically an order process of who gets their money back first. Now, typically creditors get money back before depositors. So 
Um, in uh, a traditional publicly traded company, for example, bondholders who are creditors would get money back before equity holders or stockholders, right? Um, or, for example, uh, on a house, you have like a first trustee, you could have a second trustee, a third, fourth, etc. And the first money would go to pay back to the first trustee, and then the, whatever's left would go to the second. If there's anything left, it goes to the third, etc. So there's typically an order of that. And we can see that it, uh, there's all types of legal questions that are being raised of who should get paid first. And there's an article that came out on Bloomberg that says the beleaguered crypto lender has paid back a string of debts totaling more than $900 million, which is good, except for should some of that $900 million gone back to the depositors? Well, it says the paydowns have raised the specter of a legal debate on how and in what order should distressed crypto companies pay back creditors? Now, no matter what the typical order is, people are not going to be happy about this. And so it's definitely going to be a legal debate. And it's definitely going to bring all types of legal concerns about this, uh, paying back these platforms, as we talked about, Compound, Maker, etc. says, because the loans from DeFi platforms are often required to be over collateralized, doing so would allow Celsius to reclaim the extra coins locked on the platform, thus securing more assets on a net basis. So you know, they they did pay out fifty million, but they got two hundred million back. So I guess that's a good thing. But it says, like uh, like most things, crypto, we're in uncharted territory in terms of who should and ultimately get paid back ahead of other parties, which is complicated by the smart contracts implicated and by the intertwined DeFi lending contractual relationships. So it says uh, Celsius has been exploring options, including a restructuring of its liabilities. So they're trying to figure out how to restructure this so they can see who gets their money back. Now, from what I've been able to dig in and find out, it looks like Celsius was holding money in a couple different ways. So some people just had money deposited there. So Celsius was just holding it on their behalf. So I think if you just had money being deposited there, then that probably comes back first. Then if you were getting a loan, so you gave them collateral and they, they gave you a loan back, that might be second. And if you gave them money and they were paying you yield back, that would probably be the last to get paid back. So it looks like depending on how you had money or if you had money and how you had it on Celsius, that would be the order that you'd get paid back. Hopefully, maybe. It depends on where you're at there. It says Celsius repaying some debt ahead of a potential bankruptcy raises the issue of so-called quote-unquote, preference claims. In a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, some creditors aren't supposed to end up better off than others. Quote, it's fair to say that any payments or exchanges made while not allowing creditors to get their money in the ordinary course of business are potentially subject to clawbacks in bankruptcy. So if, if Celsius gave you some money back and then through bankruptcy court they found they shouldn't have, they could come after you to get some of that money back, something to keep in mind. Now, probably nobody listening to this is getting money back from Celsius. If you have, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss. That's at just the number one Mark Moss. I'm going to come back. I got a whole lot more to cover today talking about what's happening with cryptocurrencies, what's happening with the U.S. Treasury um, happening in South Africa. There's been a whole lot of news this week. I got a lot to get through. Um, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and macroeconomics. We'll be back with that and more in a minute. So don't go away. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the macroeconomic picture of the world, the geopolitics picture of the world, and so much more. You know, I don't have a lot to dig into the geopolitics side today, um, but we have to look at all of that. I'm trying to really bring everything that's happening in the world today into context and you have to understand uh, what's happening with politics and the geopolitics to understand where the uh, financial markets are moving because, unfortunately, it's become very political. Um, and we can see some of that happening. Um, so, for example, we saw the U.S. Treasury. So 
The United States has a central bank, the Federal Reserve, right? And then they also have the U.S. Treasury. Now, the Federal Reserve is a semi-quasi-private institution. It's kind of run by the banks. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, if you'd like to know more about that, uh, you can hit me up on social media. Tell me you want me to talk about that more. Or just check out the book, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island. They really get into that. It's pretty good. Um, so the Fed is this kind of semi-quasi-private you know, institution that basically creates money from thin air, and they loan it to the banks, the commercial banks, and then the commercial banks create that money into existence. Now, the government also needs money. The, the U.S. government is in debt, $31 trillion. How do they get the debt? Well, people have to loan it to them. So who loans it to them? Well, uh, if you have money in a pension fund or a 401k fund or something like that, there's a, good there's a good chance you have loaned money to the U.S. government. If you have bonds in your portfolio, there's a good chance you've loaned money to the government. Other nations loan money to the government. So Japan and China have loaned money to the government by buying bonds. So when they buy the bonds, they do that. So how does the—the uh, the problem is, is that um, the U.S. government <laughs> runs a deficit, meaning they have to live off debt, and— uh, they have less and less people wanting to loan them money, so the amount of the amount of people that want to loan money to the U.S. government has been dropping. China doesn't want to lend money to the government anymore. Uh, Japan doesn't have any money to borrow, buy money, or lend money to the government anymore. So then, who does? Well, that's where the Federal Reserve comes in. So the Federal Reserve can create money from thin air and then loan it to the government. Pretty interesting, right? So that's uh, I broke I broke that down for you so you can understand. That's what the U.S. Treasury, the U.S. Treasury, is the the accountant. They're the CFO of the government, right? They're the bookkeeper, whatever you want to call it. So the Treasury Department handles the money issuance. So these are the dollars, the coins that we have, and they also issue you know the Treasury. They're the they're the accounting department. So they they manage who gets paid. Do we give out welfare, UBI? Do we give out you know tax re rebates, refunds, right? And so they they get the money out to the public, and this is why a lot of times people say that the Federal Reserve isn't really inflationary because the Federal Reserve can't get money to the public. The Federal Reserve can only get money; um, they can buy debt of the government, and then the government can now put more money out into the public. And so that's just kind of the difference of the U.S. Treasury versus the Federal Reserve. Now, the U.S. Treasury. Um, has at times um, throughout history made their own currency. Um, They're talking about creating their own currency again. A lot of people that understand how that works think, so wait a minute, why does the Treasury have to borrow money from the Federal Reserve that has no reserves? They're not federal and they have no reserves. And they basically loaned me money that they created from thin air. So why wouldn't I just create money from thin air? And if you ask that question, that would be a very good question to ask. And we'd all like to know the answer. Now, in uh, history, there's been really one time in uh, where the Treasury has said, you know what, we'll just make our own money. And they did. They were, it was a type of money called a greenback. Now, a lot of people think that the greenback is a, a slang term for the dollar, which it kind of is, but it was actually a different type of money. And that's when uh, then-President Abraham Lincoln said, we don't need to create borrow money from the Fed that creates it from thin air. Well, it wasn't the, it wasn't the Fed at the time. Sorry, it was the National Bank. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll just create our own money, our greenback, which they did. Of course, Abraham Lincoln died. Uh, might have a connection, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that for you to decide and, and draw your own flag or your own lines there. But we've seen that the president, Joe Biden, he ordered he had an executive order in March uh, on cryptocurrencies 
directed at the Treasury Department for them to take the lead among other government agencies in developing policy recommendations on cryptocurrency. So it's not up to the Fed. A lot of times people would say, why would the central banks ever allow Bitcoin to succeed? They don't want to give up control over the money. Well, <laughs> the Fed doesn't create laws. It's not up to the Fed to decide if they can let it succeed or not. The government, they make the laws. And so here we have the president had an executive order in March directing the Treasury to come up with policy recommendations on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Now, the, Depart the State Department of the Treasury has requested comments from the public on the potential opportunities and risks of digital assets in compliance with that executive order. So whenever, uh, not whenever, a lot of times when the government is going to create new laws or policies or regulations, they'll put things out for public comment so they can hear what the public has to say. It's not quite a vote, but at least they're getting information. So a lot of times you'll see, you know, think tanks and, um, you know, um, law firms chime in on this. In the cryptocurrency space, it's been common in the past for individual users to start flooding uh, the comments, and that's kind of what's happening. And it says in, uh, in a Tuesday announcement, the Treasury said it was asking for input from the public that will, quote, inform its work in reporting to the president on possible implications of digital assets on the financial markets and payment infrastructures. Um, so that's something that you can do if you would like your voice to be heard. It's not going to be done at the ballot box with a vote. It's going to be done through comment like this. It says, quote, for consumers, digital assets may present potential benefits such as faster payments, as well as potential risks, including risks related to frauds and scams. <sighs> There's always frauds and scams. If you need the government to protect you from being defrauded or scammed, you should probably go look in the mirror again. If you think the government can protect you from getting fraud or scammed, uh, you, I'm, I have a bridge to sell you. I've been talking about that a lot today. Um, it says the Treasury is seeking to benefit from the expertise of the American people and market participants by soliciting public comment as we engage in the important work. Um, so is buying a lottery ticket like it being a scam? I mean, what's the chance of you getting your money back? <laughs> uh, they don't stop that. Anyway, the public has until August 8th to submit comments to the Treasury on what they believe would be the implications of this. It says that the potential impact of introducing new financial products and services, in addition, the government department requested Americans weigh in on potential risks, including losing private keys and the authenticity of digital assets. Think about that. Um, the government requested Americans weigh in on the potential risks of losing your private keys. So the revolution, the revolution is that I can hold my assets in a way that can't be seized, stolen from me. And I do that by me taking personal responsibility and holding my cryptographic key. I don't have to. I, can, I don't have to buy it. I can leave it, let someone else manage my key, but, but I have the ability to hold my key. But if you lose your key, then, you know, then you lose your key. So they want, to, they want Americans to weigh in on the risks of losing your private key. So if everyone says, well, it's way too risky, it's way too risky, you should do something about it so that they're going to make it illegal for you to hold your own keys now. Think long and hard about that. That's what they're talking about. That's their words, not mine. Man, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, macroeconomics, politics as well. We're talking about the U.S. Treasury deciding whether you should use cryptocurrencies or if they're too risky. I got a lot more to cover in a minute when I come back, so don't go away. I'll be right back. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. We're talking about geopolitics. We're talking about macroeconomics. We just got done talking about the politics side, talking about the Biden administration and the Treasury um, and you know how they want to protect you from the risks that are in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space. And it's not just the... U.S. government that wants to protect you uh, from your own self. We see it in other countries as well. The thought of needing the government to protect me from myself, it kind of makes me mad. I mean, the fact that anybody would need, would want, I should say, I could see, I could see that some people may want it. 
But the fact that anybody thinks they need the government to protect them from themselves, I guess it just kind of shows you where we're at in the world today, where, you know, with great freedom comes great responsibility. Like, if I have the freedom to hurt myself, I have to be responsible enough not to hurt myself. Um, I guess the government could take away my freedom to hurt myself and I don't have to have the responsibility of being able to hurt myself. But is that the world that you want to live in? <sighs> but some people do. It's, a, it's insane. Uh, so I guess the government needs to keep doing that. But it seems insane to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss, just at the number one Mark Moss. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know what you think on that. But we can see it's happening in uh, South Africa this week. We saw the same thing. Um, the South Africa's Reserve Bank will regulate cryptocurrencies as financial assets. And new laws are expected to come in over the next 12 months. Now, uh, regulate them as financial assets. I suppose that's okay. That's how they're regulated in the United States already as financial assets. So a lot of people get confused by this. Um, basically, if you buy and sell Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, it's no different than buying and selling stocks, buying and selling gold, buying and selling real estate. It's the same thing. It's not a big deal. Your normal tax advisor should be able to help you with that. Um, it's being taxed as property, financial assets. Now, um, they're, they're similar to that, but they're not that, which is where the problem comes in. Um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies could be, and, and I believe they will be used as payment, as currencies. They already are um, throughout the world, mostly in developing markets. We, they definitely are in El Salvador, where it's actually legal tender. Um, in the Central African Republic, they are. Um, in Central America, they are. Uh, El Salvador, as I said. Panama, they are. Um, in the United States, they are as well. A lot of people use them. The problem is that in areas like the United States where they're regulated as a financial asset, then every payment becomes a taxable event. So let's say I bought Bitcoin whenever, and then I went down to Starbucks and I bought a, bought a cup of coffee with, with my Bitcoin, then that's a taxable event. So now I have to figure out, well, when did I buy this Bitcoin? What was the price of that Bitcoin at the time? And, and then I bought it. So I bought, uh, I bought $500 worth of Bitcoin at this price. And then I, I sold $4 and 27 cents at this price. And so how much of that did I sell at this price? And what's the taxable event? And then I have to fill out a tax reform. I mean, that's just insanity. So who wants to do that? So the problem is, as long as they're classified as financial assets, it's going to greatly reduce the use of them being used as, as currencies because of that onerous uh, regulation. Who wants to deal with that? Um, that? Which is why in the African Republic, which is why we've seen in uh, Panama, in uh, El Salvador, et cetera, they've, they've removed that. So now you can just buy it, or not buy it, but you can use it freely. It says here that cryptocurrency use in South Africa is in a healthy space with around 13% of the population estimated to own some form of cryptocurrency. Now, that's a, that's a big number, 13%. Let me tell you why that number is important. When you look at new technologies, telephone, color TV, washing machine, internet, whatever, um, there's what's known as the diffusion of innovation. And it shows how fast or how long it takes for a new technology to reach a level of saturation or a level of... Uh, of uh, you know, people using it. And when you look back throughout history and you see all the different things, the telephone and the color TV and the internet, et cetera, they all have different timeframes. And typically you measure to about an 80% adoption rate. And then you use something called an S-curve. And so if you look at all of these in a chart, which I can't show you because 
you don't see it. Uh, but if we look at that, they all have this S-curve where they kind of move in parallel at the bottom, very slow adoption cycle, very, very slow. It moves up slowly. And then there's a point, this inflection point, where it starts to move up and starts going up vertical pretty quickly. And then it goes up vertical for quite a while, and then it starts to taper off and it starts to move to the right and it moves horizontal very slowly again. <clears throat> the way that S-curve works, and it is reliable over lots of different metrics, is that typically the time it takes to go from 0 to 10% adoption <clears throat> is the same amount of time it would take to go from 10% to 90% adoption. So the first 10% is very slow, and the last 10% is very slow. The middle typically goes very fast. The reason why 13% is, is an important number is because the time it took to go from 0 to 10% is the same time it would take to go from 10 to 30. So we're already past the 10% adoption. Um, that was reached in about 2019, 2020. So that means, using S-curve, which is very reliable, that means that we should see uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency reach a 90% adoption by the end of the decade, which for some people might seem like a long way away. For some people, it doesn't seem that far. It probably depends on how old you are. Uh, the older you get, the more time goes by fast. And so um, we can see in countries all around the world, we've well surpassed the 10% mark in pretty much every country. And so we are on track to see about a 90% adoption rate by the end of the decade. That means that this decade, 2020, is going to change the world faster than we've ever realized. Because it's technology that changes the world. If you go back through thousands of years of history, it's always one technological advancement that changes the world. Let me give you an example. Um, for thousands of years, people rode horses. The Roman army, which is the most powerful, the biggest army in the world, rode horses. But they would ride their horses to the battle, then they'd get off the horse and they'd fight. Um, but in the medieval times, there was a new technological advancement. It was something known as the stirrup. The stirrup allows the rider to get on top of the horse, and more importantly, allows them to put their feet into these stirrups on a saddle and kind of stand up on the horse a little bit. With that new invention, it allowed a knight with full armor to get up on that horse and now sit on that horse and have control with his feet, and now they could fight from a horse. Seems like they should have had that a long time ago, but they didn't. And so that changed everything. So now one knight on a horse could take out 100 peasants or serfs. That technological advancement changed the world. It changed warfare as we knew it. Then in the 1500s, we had something called the gunpowder revolution, which is guns. And now one serf or one peasant with a gun could now take out 100 knights. And so those technological, technological advancements changed the balance of power, and then it changed the world. And so that's what we're witnessing today, and we're on track in South Africa and most of the world to get to there before the end of the decade. It says with more than 6 million people in the country having cryptocurrency exposure, it's a lot, uh, but, there, but currently it's required to be recognized as a financial, there, anyone who's involved in it is required to be a financial service provider. Uh, of course, they want to protect against money laundering, and tax evasion, and of course, terrorism finance, because they're horrible things. We wouldn't want that to happen. But they said, by all definitions, it's cryptocurrencies. They're not a currency. It's an asset. It's something that is tradable. It's something that is created. Those are true. Those are true. But to try to define a, a brand new technological revolution in a, in a, 
in a small classification like that is too small. When, when electricity was first created, it was sort of like a digital candle, and it was that, but it became so much more. When the internet first came out, it was a way to send electronic messages. It was that. It still is today, but it became so much more. And so to say it's only an asset, it's not a currency, it's right and it's wrong. Yes, it's an asset, but it's so much more. You listen to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing through technology with Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, macroeconomics, geopolitics, like we're talking about today. I got a lot more to cover when I come back in a minute. Um, oh, I don't know if I can get through it all. Don't go away. You're not going to want to miss what I have to say. I'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about uh, the way the world is changing right before our very eyes, of course, being led by Bitcoin, 
and cryptocurrencies. We're talking about it from a geopolitics and a macroeconomic viewpoint so you can understand exactly what's going on. And we've covered a lot of stories today. Um, hopefully you're here listening. If not, where you been? <laughs> if you're not driving, pull out your phone, put a reminder to join me on this channel at this time each and every week. And if you did miss any of it, don't worry, I got your back. You can check me out on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss Show or Mark Moss Podcast on any of your favorite players, iTunes or the iHeartRadio app or whatever. You'll find me there. Oh, and yeah, um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'd love a nice review. I could share you some extra reviews to get my um, get a little bump up in the algorithm. All right, so I got a lot to cover. Or I already covered a lot. Hopefully, if you've missed some of that, go check that out. But the big news this week, <clears throat> the trend that's been kind of going through all the headlines <clears throat> has been that we have seen another record CPI print. Another inflation number has reached an all-time high now. As I said, we haven't seen this high since 41 years. Um, however, that's a really manipulated number, and the reality is we're higher than we've ever been. Um, and so it's causing a lot of problems in the marketplace, and um, what exactly is going to happen? Well, right now, stocks and risk assets, so tech stocks and Bitcoin, were stumbling a little bit, although they seem to pick back up. But this, this, pro this, this is a big problem. And it's important to understand one of the reasons why we talk about Bitcoin and the decentralized revolution is because nobody should be controlling the money. It's ridiculous that a group of people at the Federal Reserve decide when they want to increase the money supply and decrease the money supply arbitrarily up to them. It's insanity. And if I could show you a chart right now, I'd show you a chart that shows just how insane it is. Every boom and bust we've had since the creation of the Federal Reserve has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, I could just uh, give you an example. So in 2008, they had to create $700 billion to plug the hole. In March of 2020, it was um, not $700 billion, it was about $7 trillion. Wow. It's a big difference. The next one could take $20 trillion. So you can start to see the magnitude of these. Now, some of the things, uh, I like to say that inflation, it's not, I don't like to say, the, the definition of, of inflation per the Austrian economist's view is that inflation is the increase in the money supply. Prices going up are the results of that. And we're seeing some signs of that all over the place. One of the reasons why inflation is so high is because rents in the U.S. are rising at their fastest pace since 1986. More, more says more, so, more supply and signs of a peak could ease the market. Well, that's what this says. I don't agree. It says uh, the gap between wage growth and rent increases is narrowing. So per this article I read this week, it says rents rose in the U.S. last month at the fastest pace since 1986, helping to propel overall inflation to a fresh four-decade high. Now, first of all, uh, this is greatly misunderstood in the CPI numbers, like insane. Um, an index measuring rent of a primary residence was 0.8% higher in June than the month before, an acceleration from the 0.6% increase recorded in May. So first of all, what this is saying is that rents are still going up, just at a little bit of a slower number. According to the Labor Department's report on consumer prices published Wednesday, in the 12 months through June, rents were up 5.8%. Now, that's insane. I don't know where they get that number from. Um, well, I do. They, they got it from the Labor Department. 
I don't know why they're getting that from the Labor Department. I would think there'd be way better places to get that from. So it says, according to the Labor Department's report on consumer prices published Wednesday in the 12 months through June, rents were up 5.8%. Now, if I go on to rent.com, um, as of June 15th, the report was last updated June 15th. It says that a monthly look at the average rent price trends across the United States. It says that year over year, a, a two-bedroom apartment went up by 26.8%, so about 27% uh, year over year, 27%. So how did the labor market, the, um, how did the labor department's report show 5.8%? It's a big discrepancy, isn't it? We should probably get to the bottom of that, I would think. It's a pretty big difference. Now, um, Part of the thing is that there is no such thing as the real estate market. I make this case all the time. There's thousands of markets broken up by size, type, everything. And we can see that, for example, in the state of California, rents went up by 24% on average for the whole state. Uh, but in Oregon, they went up by 45%. So 24% in California, 45% in Oregon. Now, if I go to Mont. If I go to, let's see, Nevada, they only went up by 5%. These are rents. Okay, this is per rent.com. So, okay, Nevada did go by 5%. So if I go back to this report here, it says that the Labor Department's report says 5.8%. Okay, so for Nevada, that's correct. I can see uh, Nebraska is 3.6. That's pretty good. Uh, okay, Minnesota's 5%. Wisconsin's 6%. But everywhere else, I mean, Ohio's 35%, Pennsylvania's 41%, uh, North Carolina's 28%, South Carolina's 35%, Florida's 42%, Louisiana's 38%, Arkansas's 35%, Texas is 30%. New, uh, oh, New Mexico went down. So um, it's certainly not an average. The average is 27%, not 5%. So you can see how grossly misunderstood this is. The other thing to keep in mind is that um, rents are a very long lagging indicator because most people have a one-year lease. Some people have two or three. And so those rents don't get marked up again until that lease ends. So um, we might not see the, the increase of these things for quite some time. So it's, a, it's, it's definitely the wrong major, uh, metric to look at. It says the Labor Department measures tens to lag behind other estimates. So it's likely that rent increases will contribute to rising inflation in the consumer price index through the rest of this year. Now, this is a big deal because the rent or the uh, owner's equivalent of rent is about, I think, 25 or 30% of the CPI basket measurement. So if they say it's 5%, but the real number is 28%, and it makes up a majority of that basket, then CPI is way higher than the 9.1 that they're stating. We're probably, I don't know, 11, 12%. I should probably do the math on that. Um, now it says the good news is that market rents appear to be topping out. Um, yeah, right. I don't know where. Um, now, again, as I said, these are averages. So there are places that went down. As a matter of fact, we can see here that... Um, Austin, Texas went up by 121%. Long Beach, California went up by 62%. Tacoma, Washington went up by 50%. New Jersey, Jersey City went up by 48%. New York, New York, New York went up by 45%. Okay. But some places went down. So Cleveland, Ohio went down by 24%. Pittsburgh went down by 16%. 
Indianapolis went down by 15%. Las Vegas, Nevada went down by 14%. So some areas did go down while some went up. Um, so, you know, wherever they're getting their data, it's, uh, it's obviously completely wrong. And it's not just rents that are the problem. We see gasoline prices remain high, nearly 50% higher than the same time last year. And it says that uh, it's cutting off people's summer leisurely driving. As a matter of fact, they say it's keeping more drivers off the road than the COVID-19 pandemic did at the same time two years ago. So the Fed wants to destroy demand. And it looks like it's working. People are so broke or feel so broke today that they're driving less than they did two years ago when they weren't allowed to drive on the roads. It's pretty bad. And on top of all that, you're being completely lied to about the CPI number because the rents are not 5%. They are 28% on average for a two-bedroom nationwide. What do you think about that? <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on social media at number one Mark Moss, at one Mark Moss. Um, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, talking about macroeconomics and geopolitics so you can have more understanding of the world as we go through it. That's what I got for you today. Thanks for listening. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At 